0: Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. hello everybody welcome to another episode of second helpings i'm pastor zach joined again by pastor dan uh Uh, coming back for a new series coming back about yeah buddy um man so I love the title of the series and what we're doing, Portraits. Mm. Um, we're going to be talking about the different characteristics of God, but I just got to give a quick shout out. Yeah. How good was that graphic Ennis came up with? It looks oh, so yeah, good. Man. He did a great job with it. <laughs> home run after home run. Yeah, I man, it was good stuff. Um, but and also just a lot of buzz. I talked to a number of people yesterday that are just really excited about talking about these aspects of the Lord, His nature and His character, mm. um, which is cool. But then it just reminds me, isn't it so cool that we're in a church full of people that are getting jazzed about talking about who the Lord is?
1: Yeah, and and I think it's also cool because people intuitively know that when you ask somebody a question, what do you think about God or who is God? All of a sudden, that's one of those questions of questions. It's like the mm, king or yeah. queen question that everything else down the line, what you think about God and how you relate to God changes everything about your life. It changes how you see people, how you see time, how you see eternity, how you see everything. And so I think people intuitively, because our culture is going through stuff and they go, these subjects matter, but why do these subjects matter? Mm-hmm. They matter because of who God is. So if we get that right, it helps everything else. If you don't get that right, at least massive gaps and questions about why should we do things or how should we do things?
0: it's so funny. Like that is, that is obviously true. Yeah we just wander away from it so frequently. Oh, yeah. Like, if you know who God is, we see throughout the Scripture again and again. This is the whole entire call of our existence is to know the Lord. Um, But we just wander away from it and get caught up in other things. But the call was always know him, right? This is eternal life that you know the one true God and Jesus Christ can be sent. So I think that's why when we talk about Mm. it, people go, oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. I'm anxious for that. So it's good stuff. You did a good job setting up the series, looking forward to that. And then talking in particular about holiness, Kicking off with that, let's just talk a little bit more about why, when you're looking at all these things, by the way, it's important for the people to know we started with a big list of attributes. We're not going to be able to exhaust them over the course of the summer, but when narrowing down the list, we came to, is it 10? I think 10, 10. why start with holiness? Why is that? pivotal for the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, because everything about holiness, if you look at love, you look at mercy, you look at uh, justice, all of those things have expressions in which you can say, if somebody was acting it out or acting on it, they'd say, oh, that's justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, that's mercy. Oh, that's love. When you say to somebody, uh, holy, what does that mean? There's no necessary uh, antecedent. There's no connection to it. And it's that's why it's so important. The other thing is, it's the only one of his attributes that's mentioned in the thrice formula holy, holy, holy. It's also mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in Revelation and Isaiah, holy, holy, holy. So you go, wow, this seems to be something God emphasizes. And so that's the portal through which you go, let's look at that, find it out. And then it makes sense as to love, mercy, and justice, and all the other ones, as to why holy is that central hub right by which all the other spokes on the wheel traffic.
0: And it becomes, because of its unique nature, it almost becomes a little bit difficult to define. Oh, yeah. Like, we can define it, but we really will never be able to comprehend it, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the Trinity. Like, it's hard to get your hands around even though you can kind of define it. But isn't that liberating that this is who God is? He should have attributes that are going to be outside of our... Our full comprehension
1: yeah you can put a fence line you could say this is what it's not but when you get inside the fence line of a definition you go there's so much more here yeah. but at least it keeps us from doing something in defining it wrong and most people when they think of holiness they immediately think of purity moral purity and while that's an implication that's not a definition the yeah. definition of being separate unique it's kind of like uh, think about it practically uh in a practical sense you could say the portrait the mona lisa is holy in the sense it's unique it's separate mm. it's itself it's separate it's very unique. not in a religious way yeah. but in a definitional way it's there it's a one of a kind yeah. that's the idea now we talk about god as a one of a kind or unique or separate we're saying he's a one of a kind because in all of his attributes the love the mercy the justice the self-sufficiency uh the eternality etc etc he is not only all of those things completely He is the definition by which all of those things can be and should be known. So that's why this idea of holiness is such an enormous thing. So if we're thinking about portraits, how you get to know somebody through the years, as you see God in his characteristics interacting with humanity throughout the years, we're understanding what mercy is. We're understanding what love is, what mercy is. And anybody who comes up and says, oh, this is mercy or this is love, you go, that's actually not true, or you're applying it wrong. Why? Because God is this, and he's the definition of it. And they would might say, well, how do you know that to be true? You'd say the word, and you'd say this is who God is. And then Jesus Christ is the very incarnation of all of those things. So that when uh, he says, be holy because I'm holy, that immediately creates this friction. You go, wait a minute. You were this, this is holy, this is unique, transcendent, separate, uh, one of a kind, and I have to be one of a kind. And that's the runs you to the gospel.
0: Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's one of the things I love about this concept of holiness, um, and I'm glad we're talking about it and we're going to be talking about God's character over the summer. I think that verse, be holy as I am holy, mm. which is actually several times throughout Scripture and the, the implications of it are all over Scripture. Yes. You go, well, he's being hyperbolic. Right. Because obviously the Lord knows there's no possible way yeah, that I yeah. can be like him.
1: Yeah.
0: And the problem is he's not. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It is the command yeah. is if you were made to bear his image, yeah. The requirement is that you do what you were made for. Yeah. And then people go, Well, I can't do that. Yeah. And the answer is, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it gets back to the gospel. But if we diminish it and we act like it's hyperbolic. I mean, you're you're messing up what is a beeline to the gospel when you're talking to somebody about it. Yeah. We don't step off of God's holiness. That's going to take them to the cross. And then you think about the fact that you can never be holy. That's absolutely true. Mm. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, mm. you are. Yeah, You are yeah. made that
1: way. And the implications, we didn't even actually tease part of that out in the teaching, but if you look at Adam and Eve, they were made uniquely in the image of God, male, female. Mm. So they were one of a kind Mm. when they stepped away from that and saying, we want to be the creator, they became profane or ordinary. And so therefore when we look at people in self esteem and self image issues, this idea of holiness, although vast, it is absolutely key in somebody having a robust self-image because they see the deficiency, but in the gospel you're made whole and it builds up who you are. And you go, if I'm accepted by God and he has made me this way in Christ, who should I fear? Very often we think, let's encourage people of bad self-image that, oh, you're loved by God, loved of God, loved of God, loved of God. That's great. But then when you say, listen, you've been made holy by God, and you're standing before Him. Wow. That's that's a completely different ballgame. And you rarely hear people touch
0: on that because I think they the misdefined holy. Well, I think in the, oftentimes they can be afraid of, what if they don't come all the way to the other side? What if you're talking mm. about holiness and they get caught up in the part of, well, now I'm just despairing and I'm depressed or whatever. That's just... That's Mm. not a biblical idea of how it works. If you get into that understanding, you look and you say, woe is me. You got there because of the Holy Spirit. That's what's drawing you to it. And the Holy Spirit continues that work to where you come out to, woe is me. I am terrible. I am different than God. But now I am not, which results in proper worship. And there's some people who
1: have to be very careful because their flesh is so diabolical that they think there's some virtue in beating themselves up yeah. as a follower of christ if they linger and mourn in an unhealthy way certainly healthy mourning over sin yeah. but in an unhealthy way like i've got to beat myself up before god does that they think somehow there's virtue in that and they actually go wait a minute when you cross the line from healthy mourning to almost participating in your justification or participating in god's work that's offensive and you need to repent of that and so that's why it's so important to get a robust understanding of holiness and how he says be holy as i'm holy and christ says be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect matthew 5 48 and then you see in hebrews he talks about that he's made us perfect by the blood of christ that liberates you to healthy mourning of your sin,
0: but also gives you the fuel to move on and let him craft in you the image of Christ. Yeah, I think that's a thing that's really difficult for people to understand when you're talking about that in Hebrews, talking about being made in the image. And we mm-hmm. see in other places, scripture are talking about being formed into Christ's image and yeah. his likeness. When you don't take that at the value for what the Bible's saying, if you don't believe that, and I'm not saying that always you feel it, but if you you, you mentally understand this is true, you're saying that God's work, his making, his doing, his molding in the image is somehow deficient. Mm -hmm. And I think if you take it to that necessary conclusion, your logic you will go, well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God's deficient. You go, okay, well, if he's not deficient, then own the fact that he has made you in the image. And when you were in Christ, I think we think about it like I have water in this cup right which is a new thing but i have water in this cup that's what we think of when we think of is in but that's really not the kind of language we see in scripture it means like you're in the cup like a yeah. molecular level you yeah. are a new thing yeah. because yeah. of the work god has done in you yeah you're the new creation so in paul
1: When he's talking to people in Corinth about that, he uses the language of creation so that they would immediately connect. The fall happened back then. They were created for something. They fell away into the profane, the ordinary, the common. Uh, And then now they're a new creature. So he makes that jump back to that language go, you've started again completely in relationship with the creator. The thing that had been disconnected and disjointed over all of these thousands of years has now been reattached in Christ via faith. So that idea of new creation wasn't simply, you know, he's looking in his bag of descriptive words, I'll pull this one out, is a
0: theologically precise chosen word. Yeah, I think we, we know we were made image bearers. We were all made that way. Yeah. Um, and we became rebels. Yeah. right. When the work of Christ is done on us, right, when, when Christ works in us to fulfill what was written before the foundation of the world, you are no longer a rebel anymore. That's mm-hmm. not who you are. You are now the image bearer without being a rebel, but you just happen to be an image bearer who's still rebelling. You yeah, have times good, when good you work in yeah. rebellion. Yep. But your identity... Yep is the same as christ jesus doesn't mean you earned it you are not a god but when we are in him the father talks about seeing the son and i think if we talk with one another about that for those of us that that may struggle with owning it Mm. as we focus on it more i think that ownership becomes easier If you think you're one of these people that needs to hear Romans that, well, so then I should just sin so that grace will abound. I think that as you talk about this, you realize, no, that's not how it works either. There is not, this is not a call to inaction because the work has been done. Because you were in Christ, you now act like Christ who was, I don't use the word obsessed, um, but completely devoted to the display of the greatness of God. It is not inaction at all. It is worship out of what's been done for you.
1: Yeah, and you'll find that um, there's a, Contra to this, so anything in the world, the enemy of the world always wants to rip off and pervert the most valuable. Mm, So when we think of the idea of identity in this context, understanding your identity is the launch point by which you grow with Christ. Uh, And if you pervert that identity in the gospel, you'll you'll be malformed or underformed for sure. But the enemy always works on identity. So when we think of culturally, people going, I can choose my own sex or I can, this is how God made me. Mm -hmm. There's always this idea of God made me this way. In other words, God's made my identity. So the enemy always wants to pervert, misalign identity because he knows how someone thinks about themselves. Someone thinks in their heart, so is he. So the actions from their life are going to flow from what they believe their identity is. And so, therefore, the idea of being in Christ, why over? Uh, 60 times. Does Paul reference that either in Christ specifically or reference to the concept? Mm -hmm. Why does he do that? Because it's that big of a deal. Because if you think you're a Christian, like let's, let's think about this. I've I've known Christians like this. I was a Christian. I trusted in Christ. My sins are forgiven. And now I've got to confess my sins to get forgiven. So the first Mm -hmm. John one, nine, very often, this is probably the quintessential verse that people expose what they think of, really think about their identity in the gospel, that I've got to confess my sins in order to get forgiveness for my sins after I become a Christian. That is not at all what he's talking about. He's talking about because you're a Christian, you will confess that you're a sinner, and it will be an evidence that you have been forgiven. It's not to confess to give it. And you could ask the question, okay, how often do you sin? And do you remember that? And do you confess that? And the standard line would be, well, if I'm— confess the things I remember, he'll take care of the things I don't. In other words, we have this very Catholic understanding of this. When someone a says Christian, that, bad Catholic understanding, bad like Catholic, if you were a Catholic, that's yeah, a bad version yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So therefore you'd, you go into that passage and help them understand that's not at all what he's talking about. He's talking about, this is a natural evidence that you are a Christian. You're confessing as opposed to a uh, verse eight, where somebody gets to the point that they stop confessing their sinner because they don't sin anymore. That's not the reality. So it's. It's in comparison with that. So, but you get to know what someone's identity is. Now, the other side would say, oh, I'm forgiven past, present, future. Romans. Oh, that I may sin on. Hold on a second. Do you realize what had to happen in order for your sins to be paid for? One time, a very old guy um, said something that was really interesting. He said, yeah, people like that are adding to the suffering of Christ. Mm. And I was like, well, that's a that's a bit of a mind blower in the sense that if people do that, and that's exactly why, as a counter, Hebrews six or Hebrews ten, they crucify Christ over over and over again because they don't think He's that's enough, right. yeah. and so therefore the the concept of Paul that somebody would go, hey, I'm forgiven, let me sin, then you would say you see your life in sin, you see your life in disobedience, and that is so contra what the Holy Spirit is doing and what the truth of God says, you can't be a true believer.
0: That's exactly right.
1: So so all this to say, holiness, identity, all of this stuff works itself out, and it's incredibly pivotal, and the enemy sees it, the world sees it, and it deals with people profoundly on the level of identity all the yeah. time.
0: I think that's one of the reasons, not that we've ever been a better society holistically or something, we've always been falling, and we're working through these things. Sure. But I think one of the reasons it points out and why we hear people saying things like, oh, I'm really excited about talking that, is because in our cur- current cultural moment, um, identity is so nebulous at this point. Oh boy! But we know that there's only two identities you have, lost and found. Mm-hmm. There's no other options on the board. Yeah. We're all image bearers, right? Sure. I mean, the idea is Uh, The beautiful thing is God has created a work he's going to finish. He made humanity to bear his image. Some of us will be redeemed through the work of Jesus Christ that we will Mm -hmm. proactively bear his image and reflect him well throughout all eternity. Mm -hmm. The remaining rebels will bear his image in a passive, not a passive way, but in a rebellious way as their wrath Mm -hmm. will be poured out on them for all of time. He's going to finish that work. But now we're trying to find these ways to get to that point that root of who we are and say, if I twist that a little bit, it makes what I want to do a little bit easier. It it dulls my conscience in such a way that I can do this. Uh, And it's all back to the, it's so funny. I hear this stuff and I just think back to the garden. Mm -hmm. Surely you won't die. Yeah, (laughs) all the time. And that's where in a real way,
1: the quintessential characteristic of God by which everybody will be measured is his holiness. Mm-hmm. So you'll be measured either found complete in Christ or found be completely in yourself. And that's a problem because Jesus said, Matthew five forty eight, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's the standard. Why? Because teleos is the idea, essentially the synonym for com- uh, holy, complete, perfect. And so that's the measurement. So when you start there, you go, that's the way everybody will be measured, and that
0: will dictate where everybody is in eternity. Yeah. That's the... Well, you were talking about this yesterday, and I was thinking, we've been talking to our family about how um, we tend as humans to not want to think about the depth of sin and how, how hmm. significant our unrighteousness is. And I thought about this, it's kind of a funny story. Our pediatrician that we've been with for years, she's great. Um, she cannot smell she has lost her sense of smell. She's been doing what she's done for so long. She's done some mission trips, what's happened. And she considers it to be a blessing, right? Wow! Because yeah. when you're doing, when you're a pediatrician. Can she taste? Can she she taste? can taste, but she cannot wow, smell. She thinks that her taste has been diminished some, but yeah, she yeah. can still taste things. Um, but the idea being, like if a kid comes in and something really stinks, it doesn't smell to her because she has nothing with which to compare it. It's yeah, not there. yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about this. I oh. think one of the reasons we don't think about holiness is because we don't properly think about our unrighteousness and what sin is. We're not willing to go that deep. Well, we don't want to be that sad. We don't want to dwell upon that. But if you don't realize how repulsive Hmm. and pungent your unrighteousness actually is. Yeah. You are inhibiting your ability to properly appreciate and enjoy God's holiness yeah, if you don't have something to compare it with. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're far worse off for, for doing so. And I think the churches sometimes buy into it. They want people
1: been beat up all week. They want them to come and hear a positive message. Well, here's the thing. Uh, hearing bad news can be the best thing. It can be super positive. And so therefore, don't overthink this. Just teach the word. When the bad news comes up, teach it. When the good news comes up, teach it. When just whatever comes up, teach it. And God will take care. He'll be the Lord of his church. And you don't have to be the Lord of your church. Just expositionally walk through scripture. Say what it says. Rally around the grace that we find in Christ. And you'll, you'll be good. When we start trying to manage those things... Uh, Churches start becoming looking very human,
0: yeah. very much like ourselves. Yeah, which is what we're trying to avoid. That's why we're talking about holiness in the first place. Yeah. The idea is that we, we are meant to be holy. We are not. We cannot be trusted to our own devices. The Lord has given us his word. We look into it. It's the clear guide for what we need to live this life. We go by it. Yeah. Don't try to tweak it or change it. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be doing that. We're going yep. to be doing that for the next... Yep. 10 weeks. Well, yep, a little not- bit more. We're going to make it through the summer doing this. Yep, yep. Um looking forward to it. I'm so excited I get to preach on love that's this That's right. That's right. Um all so, you need is love. That's right. I actually thought about using that as part of the message <laughs> because here's the tag. The we we I think we're known as our family is probably um borderline too much of Beatles fans, fans of their music, not fans of their, their world. Okay. Uh, but I thought about using it because as I was, I actually looked up the lyrics during your message yesterday. Really? And I thought, oh, this good. is so fun. I'll encourage everybody to do this. Go look up the lyrics and I'll tell you something crazy about this. Oh, good. They're right. His lyrics are right to that okay. song. The problem is his definition is wrong. Yeah, of yeah. what love yeah. is. Brian Epstein, their manager, was asked about why they wrote that song. It's a one-off song. It's not on an album. And when asked why he wrote it, why they wrote it, they said they wanted to give a universal message that everybody could be able could, should be able to believe in. And I thought, you're absolutely Oh, yeah, right.
1: that's interesting. Your
0: definition is just right. Yeah, wrong. yeah. I'm great. So there's some homework for you. You can look up Yeah, the that's great. Oh, yeah. It says I'm not using it this week. I didn't ruin my message. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so looking forward to it. Um, Looking forward to you guys being back. We'll have some brothers out on some missions this week. We'll be praying for them. Um, But looking forward to seeing all of you guys will be gathered together on Sunday morning to exalt this holy God, this holy, holy, holy God who is worthy of our praise. Until then, you guys stay focused on spreading the fame of God, making disciples of Jesus Christ, and enjoying every moment of it. We'll see you next time.